Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Hey, thank you, Scott. And hello and welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. We are the place for conservative news and views, and we're standing up for your constitutional rights every day and your freedom to live, work, and play here on the last frontier as you wish. I wanted to thank everybody who reads Must Read Alaska, whether it's over at mustreadalaska.com or if you get the Monday, Wednesday, Friday newsletter. Thank you for liking and sharing our content on Facebook. And thank you for listening to this podcast. So take a moment, if you will, and give us a little review for it. It really helps us get better and it encourages us to, and we appreciate it. John Quick is my co-host today. He's returning after a couple of weeks off. He's in the Kiski down on the Kenai Peninsula, the mighty Kenai Peninsula. John, what's going on with folks on the Kenai? Well, we are loving it here on the Kenai. It is sunny and 40 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. Well, there's a couple of clouds, but we'll We'll take that over rain or snow any day of the week. And uh, we're just loving our freedom down here on the Kenai. We got uh, elected officials that continue to embrace freedom. And we love that about folks uh, that are here on the Kenai that are, whether it's our Mayor Charlie Pierce or Representative Ben Carpenter or Sarah Vance, uh, we have folks that really like freedom. And we really like that they like freedom. And so um, we're just living the dream down here. You know, one of the things that I'm excited about for this season is Christmas. And I haven't met a person that hasn't liked Christmas and I love Christmas. We, we're probably gonna decorate our house here in the next couple of weeks for Christmas. And one of the things we have at Must Read Alaska that we're excited about is we have a Christmas catalog for everybody. We, I did not know you were gonna tell everybody about our catalog, but do I tell. Know. Well, we, you know, we figured we, we whether it's sweatshirts or um stickers or those hats. must those those let's go brandon stickers those are yeah, <laughs> let's go brandon stickers or anything in between you know we we do these we do these little shirts and sweatshirts not necessarily to make a lot of money we don't make hardly any money on them we, we do don't them make because anything, people <laughs> we we get a lot good laugh out of it and and somebody gets to walk around anchorage or fairbanks or juno with one of our shirts on them. And we're pretty excited about that. So we thought there's been such a overwhelmingly positive success uh, attitude towards our store these last 12 months. We thought, well, we need to create a catalog so that people can get in their Christmas orders now, because if you've turned on the TV in the last three months, you've realized that there's a supply shortage of just about everything. So get your orders in now, the catalog, we'll introduce it here probably this week and uh it's just a little nifty festive catalog that we put together so that I you can on it order too. Your... I really... yeah and i looked through it and it was really pretty spiffy so I, I i think everybody's gonna like it a lot and and by the way those those let's go brandon stickers are going like hotcakes and they make great stocking stuffers so i think everybody should get <laughs> some for their friends really cheap and it's just a fun little thing and keeps keeps people enthused about uh the right side of things. Amen to that. 
Hey, well, let's move on to uh, the stories of the week, because I know that's what our listeners are here and they want to hear us talk about Senator Revac on the Kenai during, well, we just found out over the weekend, and I'm sure that other people have known it for quite some time, that Josh Revac was stopped by a trooper on August 18th, and he was cited for an open container. Well, the open container was a beer container in the console between his seat and the seat next to him. He was the driver, and apparently Scott Kawasaki was in the seat next to him, and they were heading down to, to Kenai to be part of the Kenai River Classics. And that is a great big fundraiser that supports conservation and programs on the Kenai River, especially just so that people in the future will be able to appreciate what we've had today and what our parents had, which is access to the most world-class fishing out there. Well, they were, they were heading down there for the education days to learn about the Kenai and some of the programs that are being done to preserve and or restore different kinds of um, salmon there. And they got pulled over because I think Josh was driving 65 and a 55. And so he got pulled over and the trooper looks in the in this car and there's a beer can right between the two of them, between Senator Scott Kawasaki and Josh Reback. Well, as it turns out, it is uh, a beer can belonging to Scott Kawasaki. When he when they ride shared down to the Kenai, he hopped in the car, he stuck his beer can in the console, and away they went. I mean, now Scott Kawasaki knew that it was an open container, but Josh was driving. He didn't see what was in the in the uh, in the can. I mean, it could have been a can of water, it could have been a can of soda. He wasn't looking. It would never occur to him that somebody put a beer can, an open beer can, in the console there. And so I talked to uh, Reback today, and yeah, he said, "Well, this is kind of a nothing burger, but." Uh, you know, it, it's the the trooper who pulled us over was a little bit of a jerk, and he, he was really trying to get us to sort of blame each other for this can. Well, but obviously it was Scott's can, Scott Kawasaki, who's the uh, Democratic legislator from Fairbanks. But I thought it was really interesting, John, that I that this happened back in August, and obviously it's been up on court view for all this time, and I I just found out about it. I'm sure that others have known, but nobody's said anything. So. I wrote a story about it today saying, well, the, the hearing for this is coming up on the 27th, but then there's a little twist. And I think you know what that twist is. The, the trooper who, who pulled Josh over and cited him for the open container is now in jail on a completely unrelated matter. And this yeah. trooper was, uh, was charged last week with something that was pretty serious. You have some of the details on that, right? I do, but first I just want to talk a little bit about how um Kawasaki is kind of getting away with something here and I don't really like that I, you know um we've seen in the comment streams that you know uh Senator Revac um has testified that he doesn't drink and he's kind of the designated driver when he goes to places exactly and, he and doesn't drink at all and that's kind of his mo which is great I think you know you always need that friend I don't drink myself but you always need that friend who is going to be the adult in the room and and be the person that's going to raise their hand and say hey listen i'm going to be the designated driver and and so i applaud senator revac for revac for doing that but what i don't like is the fact that senator kawasaki basically is a little weasel here and he sneaks by and he goes into the senator revac's car carrying a beer can that has alcohol in it and is going to get away with it and that yeah. is not okay to me that that this the senate needs to do something about that guy because what he is saying is he's making a stance and he's saying it is okay to go into a car 
and not tell the driver that you are carrying alcohol. And it's okay to do that. And it's okay because to drink while you're driving if you're just a passenger. And it's not okay. That is 100% not okay. That is not a message that we should be sending our 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids who are in high school who are now looking at this Kawasaki guy and saying, well, he can get away with drinking and driving if he's in the passenger seat. So why is it a big deal? We need to throw the book at this guy. He needs to be in jail with this trooper hanging out and thinking about his consequences because the, but the sad thing is nothing's going to happen to this guy. This Senator Kawasaki is probably going to get some award from his democratic colleagues about, yeah. how he, you know, got away with, with, uh, Take, taking done. that a Repo taking that a Republican senator. Yes. Well, let's let's be sure to be clear on this that the uh, you know Alaska law does prohibit you from having an open container in your in your vehicle unless it's in it's well it has to be unopened, unbroken seal, or you have it locked in the trunk. Remember, you can put it in the trunk, or you have it in an enclosed container behind the seat of a of a trunkless vehicle or a motorcycle. So if you have a uh, let's see, I think I think this would mean if you had an open wine bottle and you, you recorked it and you put it in a cooler behind the seat and it was enclosed and you know you could probably lovely have that or if it's behind a solid partition that se separates you from the passenger area so if you had a, a glass wall between you and the passenger and you have it back there so you couldn't get it so basically so you don't have access and, and it's not a criminal offense it's just a citation but it's embarrassing and i think for somebody like josh revac who is not a drinker. And I mean, this is kind of an embarrassing thing for him. And, you know, what kind of a friend is Scott Kawasaki that he just kind of lets uh, Revac sort of hang out there because he was the driver and it's always the driver who's going to be cited, right? Yeah, Kawasaki uh, gets a zero out of 10 in my book for making smart choices, being a productive member of society because, uh, you know, it's not okay to drink and be a passenger in a car. And the message that he is sending is it is okay. And um, uh, I bet Josh is going to think twice about hit letting that guy in his car again. <laughs> well, I think all of us are. You know, it's like, Scott, you're going to have to get an Uber down to the Kenai next time, if you don't mind. So that was kind of interesting. And I feel bad for Josh. But I also think that uh, the, the, the true story comes out, which is, uh, is that uh, the there's a there's kind of speed traps down there on the Kenai down in Sterling and you know you go 65 55 45 really fast in those areas you they, those they change but let's talk a little bit about the trooper who stopped him because he's now in in jail for child molestation yeah and this guy's a piece of work Benjamin Sirachin now again allegedly he's done all this stuff but allegedly, alleg right. allegedly he's you know uh sexually abused a bunch of minors while he was a trooper and yeah. that is just i mean that's if if i it's obviously the worst of the worst these are people that are supposed to be entrusted into protecting people and they are doing this particular person allegedly has done the opposite of that and um you know it's the alaska state troopers are already having a hard time enough recruiting people as it is i'm sure this is not something that they um are uh is going to help them out in any regard well he's like been on the force since june 2020 and he's been in soldatna during his whole career he's uh he's he's on leave in in, in pending the outcome of these proceedings which it's pretty um it's pretty sad uh it's a pretty sad thing because of course 
he's in a Wildwood pretrial, and uh, he's, I think he's been arraigned already. Uh, he was arraigned Friday or something. But basically, you this is a person that you trust to uphold the law and to protect you from the bad guys. And as it turns out, he had something having to do with a minor. And I don't know how many minors, but it, but I know that they're they've, they've got probable cause that he has multiple abuse victims within the within the last year. So from what it looks like, they have chosen uh, some sort of a predator as a uh, trooper. Now, what this means for Josh Revac and this little citation, which is $220 fine, this means that that trooper is not going to show up in court on the court date. And when it, the trooper doesn't show up in court, in all probability, that means the charge gets dropped and there won't be, it'll be just dismissed. The judge will just dismiss it. And that's probably what should happen. It's too bad it can't transfer it over to Scott Kawasaki, however. Yeah, well, just uh, you know, just a PSI PSA for everybody that's that's out there that's thinking they're above the law that that are elected officials or policemen or whatever. You know, stuff will come back and get you no matter what. And um, uh, I bet uh, people are going to be thinking twice before they ever ask Kawasaki to get in their car again. And uh, you know, if he's sloppy like that with a little thing, he's going to be sloppy like that with big things. And uh, you know, I just hope that Kawasaki somehow learns a lesson here and takes a slice of humility and, you know, apologizes. I would publicly apologize to I Senator Reback. That's what's due is, is, is an apology to, I mean, a written apology, a public apology would probably be a good thing because Reback, he's got a family and he's you know, a wife and children and he's, he's got a career ahead of him. And this is, this is tough for him. Hey, let's talk about this, um, the story that I did today on this shadowy new group that's popped up. And I'm, I'm really kind of intrigued by them. They call themselves Alaskans for Posterity. And they're very much trying to imitate the major group that's active in 37 states, including Alaska, Americans for Prosperity. And uh, Americans for Prosperity Alaska is run by our friend, Bernadette Wilson, who's uh, just a dynamo here in, in Anchorage. But this Alaskans for Posterity just showed up uh, about a year ago. They didn't do a lot that I can tell, but they're starting to show up a lot more this year and they must have a lot of money because they put out a flyer to every single household in Anchorage talking about the importance of the mask mandate and how bad the anti-mask mandate people are and really running down people like Jamie Allard, who's on the, the assembly. They put out an ad that's been running on the radio nonstop. Everybody's heard this ad where they are um, actually criticizing the governor. The, they're criticizing the governor for not giving a big enough PFD for a fund dividend, <laughs> which is ridiculous because that's all he's been fighting for. And, he, you know, he can't seem to, to get the legislature to go along with him, but they're attacking him. And then they also under they were the underwriters of a letter that went out to all the households in Anchorage from the the CEO of Providence saying we really need this mask mandate and we need everybody in Anchorage to be masked up, which is also if people have been following Must Read Alaska is a very questionable thing for them to do. It's really questionable for Providence to get involved in politics, and if they don't think the mask mandate issue is politics, oh my goodness, they need to figure this out because mask mandates are definitely politics. And it was the Alaskans for Posterity group that sent that out. Well, I did a little investigating to see who they are. 
And they're people who just, these are not people who have money. The, the, the president of the group, Elizabeth Johnson, she doesn't look like a person who has anything going on. She's, uh, she's not appearing in any searches that I can find of, of interest. I mean, she's not a player in politics in any way. And then you have Nathan Ord, who's a doctor down in Juneau, a very young doctor, probably has got a lot of debt uh, for, his, for his medical school. He's uh, from a longtime uh, Juneau family, but he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of money. And then you have this Reed Magdans, who's from Kotzebue, who used to be the aide to Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins, a Democrat from Sitka. And he's just coming into his own as well, a young man. These are not people who can spend the tens of thousands of dollars that we've seen being spent in Anchorage and around the state to sway the public message. So I started digging into it deeper, John, and uh, what I found is that the address for this group, Alaskans for Posterity, goes back to a house on 22nd Avenue, and I won't give the name of, of the address of the house because I don't want to dox the people who live there. But recently, the people who have lived there are associated with the Ship Creek Group, which is a very left-leaning political advisory group. It's, it's one of these consultancies that runs campaigns. They ran the campaign for uh, Zach Fansler, who had to leave the legislature under a cloud of, of embarrassment, as well as Dean Westlake, who also left under Me Too conditions. And they ran the campaign for uh, Governor Bill Walker, who, who lost. But this, this group of uh, young Turks over at the Ship Creek group, they all seem to have cycled in and out of this particular address, and that this address is now where Alaskans for Posterity says its home is. So something's going on there. It is related to Ship Creek. It is um, kind of interesting because what I found as I did my research is that because they named candidates who are already declared candidates and yet they didn't reveal their funding source, they are, they are in total APOC violation. Alaska Public Offices Commission has a, as a rule, as a regulation, a, a law that says, if you spend money to attack a candidate, then you have to reveal your top three donors. And they have been attacking Mike Dunleavy for a week on the, on the air without revealing their donors. And then this flyer that went out, John, they also attacked Jamie Allard, who is a declared candidate for her office there. She has filed for office and they attacked her without declaring their top three donors. So I am just waiting to, for, for some group or some person out there to file a complaint at APOC because that's what they do on the conservatives whenever there's a mistake. This is not a mistake, John. The guys who set up this company, this, uh, this group, are lawyers from Madison, Wisconsin, and they specialize in these 501c4s, attack groups, and they specialize in concealing the donors. That's their main bread and butter. That's what they do at their law firm. They're part of the political group of their law firm. So I don't know. I, it, was a, it was an interesting story. It's really in the weeds for a lot of people, but for um, you know people who are watching politics, I hope they pay attention to this kind of stuff. And I'll, we want to get uh, Bernadette Wilson on the show and have her uh, explain to us why Americans for Prosperity is allowing Alaskans for Posterity to masquerade and sort of not steal their name, but really imply that they're the same group and to try to trick the voters. And this is all about trickery. And this is a really oh, yeah. disgraceful group.
it's a it's it's a trickery 101 I, they back in 2018 uh politico did a uh, the politico magazine did a a big piece on alaska and the the title of the piece was how to turn a red state purple democrats not required and it gave a manifesto in this magazine on how you literally turn a red state purple by tricking people into thinking that they're voting for somebody that's not really who they say they are. And it's the so, same playbook, absolutely same playbook. Exact same playbook. And this is part of that process is they turn up these, uh, these shadowy, you know, covert money groups that infiltrate the state that are funded by 95% or 99% of the funding comes from out of state. And they pick these granola folks that look like, you know, they could be living in the woods and, and feeding off of twigs and berries. Yep. And they put these people as the, as the face of the group. And, and it works. Sadly, it, works. it actually yeah. works because the average person, they unfortunately, and I'm, I'm a victim of this myself. Sometimes I believe what I read or I believe what I see. And you have to understand that this a lot of this is orchestrated by very wealthy people who are in the business of messing with us and tricking us and if you go if you just google politico 2018 how to turn a red state purple their playbook is right there exactly and actually that playbook is being played out today i saw a an article in the Economist magazine about how if Alaska only could have a hundred thousand people move from California to Alaska, they could turn it into a blue state, which is probably about right. They need about a hundred thousand more Democrats to move in. They see this as kind of an easy pickup state if they could only just convince California Democrats to new, to move north. There's a movement afoot across the nation among certain Democratic groups to try to get young Democrats just to simply move to Alaska and flip the state blue. It's very interesting. But this, this shadow group is uh, part of that whole movement in, 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 their, in their own way, but it's a story that I'm gonna continue to sort of dig into until we find um, out who they are and where their money comes from. And we will find out. I've just barely scratched the surface. I encourage you to go read the story at Must Read Alaska. It's called Shadowy Group Mimics Americans for Prosperity and Emerges as Political Player. And uh, we'll, we'll get Bernadette to come on the show and tell us what the heck she's going to do about them. Hey, before we go, I want to talk to you about this um, letter that I saw from Senator Dan Sullivan. Now, you're down there in the Kenai. And of course, Homer is down there in the Kenai as well. Homer, Alaska is one of my favorite places to go to, except for Nikiski, where they have the really great hardware store, Nikiski Hardware. <laughs> I'll, I'll go in there. <laughs> that is a destination hardware. Um, but but you remember what happened to Paul and Marilyn Huper last April when the FBI just came to their door at nine in the morning or so, and they just crashed their door down. The guns, it was, it was kind of like um, Chevy Chase's Christmas with their guns blazing. They had their guns out. They handcuffed them and they handcuffed their guests and they told them that they were searching for Nancy Pelosi's laptop. And this was really very surprising because Paul and Mary and Marilyn Huber had gone to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and that is not breaking the law. And they had been there to hear President Trump's speech before the Electoral College 
uh, was confirmed by the Senate. And that was not breaking law. And they did move, they did walk over to the Capitol, but there's absolutely no way they went in the Capitol. And there's no footage of them in the Capitol that I have ever seen. But somebody reported Marilyn as a lookalike to somebody who was in the Capitol. And they decided that she was the one who stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop. All that said, Dan Sullivan has written a letter to the head of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, and said, you guys need to apologize because they finally found the woman who they think is linked to this. And her, her name is, uh, I don't know, something she's, she's in New York city. So she's in New York state somewhere, Syracuse, I think. And so it wasn't this little Alaskan couple that had done it. It was a, is a woman and her son from New York, but where's the FBI in apologizing for what they did to terrorize this couple in Homer, Alaska? Yeah. It's um it's kind of scary because I think about how we, I perceive that the FBI has all this amazing technology and, or has things that we don't even know about. You know, they could scan people's retinas and figure out how many places they've been to in the last, you know, right. different airports picking up their retina scans. So you think about all this technology that we either perceive that they have or know they have. And then you look at this grainy picture of this person that they thought was the person that stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop, who kind of looked like the person who lived in Homer. And that was the best thing that they had to go on was this little teeny grainy picture. And it was so good enough to where they, you know, had 25 FBI agents that they flew in from DC. And I look at that and I think either something fishy is going on that we have no idea about and probably never will know about, or the dots just ain't connected and maybe they don't have the technology that, that we thought they did because um, they obviously did not get the right person and it shows in this lady's confession to doing it you know three four or five months down the road and yet you're left with the wondering of how many other times does this happen throughout the course of the day or month or weeks all over the U.S. oh sorry about that we knocked in your door and you know uh, had the expense of the federal government, 25 of us, and we got the wrong person. We're, we're sorry about that. We're going to leave now. How many other times does that happen? It's kind of worrisome. It is a little bit worrisome, especially because it, it may not always end up as well as it ended up for the Hubers. It may be that some of these people are, are in jail because the, they, this case of mistaken identity. But you and I both looked at these pictures picked the grainy picture of the woman that they had. And then you, you see these pictures of Marilyn Huber, who's you can find very easily on the social media platforms. And they are not the same person. We don't have trained eyes for this. We're just normal people. You look at it and say, well, you know, they could be related, maybe cousins. I don't know, but they are not the same person. There's no question. So the, of course, the, remember that it was, it wasn't just the FBI, it was the U.S. Marshal and the U.S. Capitol Police. It was a bunch of them. I think they had troopers and even a local cop involved. But the, um, the senator, he's asking for an apology. And I think an apology is due from the Department of Justice and also from, uh, from FBI Director Ray. He, they really do owe this family an apology. I don't think they'll ever be forthcoming, but I think it was great that, uh, that we're trying to close the door on that, just sort of end that chapter in their lives because it was very disruptive to their lives. Remember, they took their computer and that's the computer that they used to run their business. And so their business was disrupted. They've lost money due to it. And then the, um, the TSA put them on the no-fly list. Big, terrible things have happened to them. So I, oh, yeah. I really hope that, um, 
I doubt very much that we'll get an apology unless we can flip the Senate and put the Senate in control of Republicans, then we might have a little bit more influence over what happens over the, at the FBI. But mm, until then, hey, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Anchorage Assembly before we go. Uh, real quick, you know, the mask mandate law was put in place on Thursday, immediately put in place because they overrode the mayor's veto. And yet all over Anchorage, all weekend, people were not wearing masks, no more so than usual. There are a certain number of people that do wear masks. And I'd say, I don't know, maybe a good 40% of people in Anchorage wear masks inside of stores and that type of thing. But if you if you walk around Anchorage, it's just the same as it was before. There's just no difference. And so uh, Chris Constant, who is uh, the assembly member who has really been pushing this along with Meg Zalatel, who has been pushing it, um, Pete Peterson, uh, Austin Quinn Davison, but Chris Constant said it's going to take a while to get compliance. And I find that laughable because the, uh, the Anchorage Assembly, they have nothing to do with compliance. They are not the compliance people, just like they're not the executive branch of the government. They've already stolen the executive branch authority to have an emergency order. And they did it by emergency ordinance. They call it emergency ordinance. But um, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because you can go into a restaurant in Anchorage, you put on your mask, walk 30 seconds to the table, take your mask off, sit, eat, drink, laugh, talk, um, make merry for 45 minutes. And then you put your mask on for the 30 seconds from your table back to the door. And I do not know how in the world this is actually supposed to slow down this virus. It seems incredible to me. It's just ludicrous. I mean, there's things like human trafficking, crime. There's mm -hmm. actual things that are happening in Anchorage that, you know, it'd be nice for the folks in the assembly to focus on how do you solve those things? How do you solve the fact that, you know, the Sullivan Arena would be nice to have a hockey game at, but instead we have a, a not a long-term plan for housing the homeless. Those things, you know, they seem to just forget about all the things that actually matter, cars getting broke into, homes getting broke into, those kinds of things are, they matter to folks that live in Anchorage. You know, there's people that are gonna wear masks, there's people that aren't gonna wear masks, whatever. But I think <laughs> in general, people could care less about this little fight that the assembly seems to want to have every single week with the administration. Just get over the fact that you lost, Forrest. You lost. <laughs> okay. Move on with your life. Do whatever you got to do. Go see a therapist. Go do some yoga. You know, go out with Kawasaki and go drive around somewhere. You know, do whatever you got to do. Uh, but you lost. And so you did lose. You didn't win. I don't know if anybody's told you this, but you might want to move on with your life and just go about governing the area of Anchorage that you live in and were elected to govern and stop trying to be the pretend mayor because the people that elected Mayor Bronson uh, are sick and tired of the people on the assembly acting like little children. Mm, indeed. Well, before we go, everybody, I just want to you know, sign off here with uh, by saying uh, farewell to a, a fond farewell to Colin Powell, who, who died today early this morning. I have not seen him since 2007. I met him back in uh, when I was in Tallahassee working for Jeb Bush. And he was a, a really big part of Jeb. Jeb had a mentoring program for youth. And 
And Colin Powell was a, a big part of that, a solid family man. He was politically very moderate, he's a, but he was a good, kind and thoughtful person. And I've been digging around today looking for a photo I have of myself with him and I'll post it up when I find it. But for the rest of the week, everybody, sign up for Must Read Alaska newsletter. It goes out three times a week and it'll get you all caught up for the stories you may have missed online. And just drop your email in the box at Must Read Alaska there on the side. And Scott Levesque, thank you so much for being a producer of this show. And I know you're going to have a show tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And then I'm going to join you for the Friday show, which will close out the week. And we're going to have a really strong week. If you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you guys so much. It really makes a big difference for us to be able to stand up for what's right in Alaska and, and to keep the news balanced. Because well, in case you hadn't noticed, uh, the left stream media is... Uh, pretty much the dominant force in this state and we just need to balance it out. So thanks for your support. And if you're done with the liberal news media, just remember, let's go Brandon. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Bye.